Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Shade and myself, we're the pastors here at Destiny, if you guys haven't figured that out. Uh, we started, thank you, darling. Uh, we started the church in our home uh, about 17 years ago, and God has been faithful to us, and it has been ups and downs and spiritual wars and spiritual victories. It's just part of life. And we could not be uh, happier in our calling. Not always happy in our circumstances, but happier in our calling. And Shay and I uh, are blessed to, to pastor uh, the Destiny Church family. And this morning, we've got these guys on stage with us. And so this is uh, who we've got. We got next to me, Pastor Chris. For many of you guys, Pastor Chris and Heather, they were youth pastors here for what? How many years? A uh, couple of times, too. You, uh, you were here, and then you uh, went into full-time construction, and you came back. So Pastor Chris, he's uh, pastoring Port City Refuge. Do we have mics for these guys? Uh, help me out, Pastor Wesley, to see about the other mics. Um, there's is one behind me. Yeah, Chris, can you get that one? And then we need those other three mics. Um, so uh, next to him is Pastor Neil, his beautiful wife uh, out there somewhere. Heather, I don't know if she's here or not, but uh, Pastor Pam and Neil, they're at Platform 85 church. Beautiful friends of ours. I don't even know how we met, but um, we met through some mutual friends. Uh, Actually, we were birthed out of this church. It was a prophetic word that you gave one Sunday. We were coming just to say, Lord, we, we just want to serve somewhere. And But it had been on my heart to start a church. Hold that up to your mouth. And... Uh, but I wasn't going to do it without God touching my wife and talking to her first because I'm nobody without us together. Come on. Amen. And so we came one Sunday and you gave a prophetic word, obedience about this prophetic word. And it said, you said, you've got more than enough. Wow. What are you waiting for? Hmm. I didn't know and that. Did you know that? Yeah. You didn't know us at the time? Did I know it and forget it? Did I know it and forget it? Okay. And I, so, I knew it and forgot it. And so, and, and so Platform 85 really took its roots in downtown Mobile from that prophetic word. It touched my wife. It touched me. Wow. Wow. That is awesome. Um, I, I had forgotten that, but that's great. God, yay, God. Amen. Um, then we got uh, Alan. And Alan has been a uh, youth pastor with us. Then he went and was in missions, and then he came back and didn't know what he was. And uh, I mean, he still knew he was called, but he was just waiting on the Lord for the next. And he is with Hope Beyond Borders, and you'll find out a lot uh, more about that if you come to the gala, when you come to the gala, uh, as we're launching him back out. And the ministry Hope Beyond Borders will be here uh, with us as well. Then we have uh, Erica, and uh, isn't she lovely? 
So Pastor Erica uh, was part of our house for, what, four-ish years? And, uh, you know, she had come out of ministry, was in a season of rest for a while, and then began to do ministry here uh, at Destiny and has launched out with Kingdom Life Center in Mobile. And uh, if you haven't been following that, uh, you know, we want you to know that we're excited for her. Then we've got uh, Lynn and Teresa. Lynn and Teresa with... uh, yeah, absolutely. With Jubilee Youth Service and Leadership Academy, and uh, he's been in ministry for a long time, doing ministry for inner city boys of Mobile. And uh, boys are just rough in general, but he had to go for inner city boys. Like, you know, it's, it's boys to the second power, uh, if you've never been. And we were able to partner with him uh, in his uh, ministry and in the youth camp that goes on for, uh, I don't know, 18, uh, or not days, it goes on for eight weeks? Seven weeks. Seven weeks, seven, seven weeks sorry. And so, um, uh, let's see, we got Joey here last. So Joey's new to the table. And um, Joey, we are just striking up a relationship with Joey. I was introduced to Joey through Larry Wiggins. And uh, so his ministry is Jesus Without Walls. Uh, Joey is an evangelist, and he's many more things. But if I had to put a label on him in the fivefold, I'd put evangelist on him. And uh, we're excited to have all of these guys with us. And so um, the reason they're here is because these are people who have either come into or up and out of Destiny uh, ministry. And this is not a Destiny church thing. It's not all about Destiny church kind of thing. It's just about the body. It's just about, like there are people he, uh, who couldn't be here today. We, we really wouldn't be able to fit, if we go back 17 years, we wouldn't be able to fit everybody on the stage. But, you know, there's people like uh, Pastor Gustavo and Rocio Geronimo, which uh, is birthed out of destiny with Oasis de Dios in Robertsdale. Um, they're in service right now. They could not be here today. Um, Harley, uh, you know, Raul. Uh, doing great things in Nashville or Shelbyville, really, but uh, just lots of of ministry happening from this house. And so I wanted to uh, share with you, uh, would you go ahead and put the quote up? This is a quote I came across the other day, and I'm like, man, this is so powerful. This is from Pastor Kevin Wallace. I don't don't know if I'm doing that or you, but uh, the Kevin Wallace He said, the beauty of being a sending church is you see sons and daughters, you pour your life into being sent out to do great and incredible things for God. That's the beauty of it, man, sending them out to do great and mighty things for God. The pain in being a sending church is you get to see your sons and daughters that you pour your heart into go out and do great and incredible things for God. There's pain and there's, uh, you know, this beauty in it that you send and I'm telling you I was not raised in ministry this way I don't know if y'all were or not but I wasn't raised in ministry this way I was raised to raise them up and keep them and be stingy and you do not help other churches you do not send people out but that is not the model if any church is doing that that's not the model but 
I'm not going to lie to you, man. It is painful when you pour into people and you put all of this energy into people and then somebody else comes and scoops them up. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you have to get rid of that. I forgot Quentin. He's right across town at Resurrection Church. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we, we love this. And it's like, man, sending people. So there's beauty, there's pain. Look, he goes on to say, don't measure your success by how many you keep. Measure your, your effectiveness by those you send. Understand that heaven has a different way of measuring success than modern-day church metrics. Sent is not to be confused with went. Like, I'm telling you, there have been a lot of people from this house who just went. They weren't sent. When you, when you went... When you just get up and go, most of the time, those people break relationship, and that's a sad thing. But when you are sent, you have the privilege and the honor of doing life together, and you get to invest. It's a beautiful thing. Therefore, the king's table, where we all sit. You sit there. We sit there. We sit in a little bit different place than you sit there. We, we sit there in an Ephesians chapter 4 way. And uh, Chris, would you uh, look that uh, up in the Bible here? Um, I'm going to take this. And y'all are going to have to share those microphones. And, uh, you know, when, when you uh, feel the need to say something, just pass that over. And uh, make sure you hold it to your mouth so that all those folks out there can hear you. So... Today, as we dive in, uh, Chris, I, I'm going to let you, if you don't mind, read uh, really the Ephesians chapter 4, what is it, 11, uh, and I think it goes down through about 16. Um, this is where we're coming to the church from. <clears throat> Ephesians 4 chapter, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be measured in the Lord, I'm sorry, mature in the Lord, measuring up <clears throat> to the fullness and complete standard of Christ. That's good. Uh, so as, as he's reading this, there's a number of key words that jump out. Obviously, there's the gifts. Those are our ministry gifts. I don't know who coined the phrase five-fold ministry uh, gifts, which I'm not a fan of that because most people have no clue what that means. But I just say five ministry gifts to, to most people. There are five leadership categories that Christ himself gave to the church. And he set the, those people up for the equipping of the saints, and that's you. It's us too, but it's, but it's leadership to the body. And the purpose of that is equipping. The purpose of it is maturity. It's uh, to push us to one goal, which is unity in the faith, so that we can be the most effective. Um, if you don't know, like, let's just toss it out for, for a second. What is the most, uh, I, this is not on here, but I'm going to ask you guys, what, what have you witnessed to be the most devastating weapon that the enemy has used against the church? Division. Mm -hmm. Lack of unity. 
uh, denominational uh, rifts. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the uh, I think from my standpoint as somebody who's in and out of a lot of different churches, you know, um, the uh, one thing that I think that we need more than anything uh, is the, you know, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity and understanding the anointing that comes uh, from that passage in Psalms. You know, uh, we're one church with many parts. That's yeah. what Paul wrote and uh, as far as the body. And when we talk about the big C church, the church worldwide, um, that's, I, that's what I see as the, being the biggest issue is division. Just um, doctrinal and, you know, denominational differences, um, you know, whereas what we really should be doing is uniting on the things that we have that are, that are absolutes and having liberty in the mm-hmm. things that are, that are um, you know, the gravy, if you will. Yeah. You know, uh, instead of calling out our brothers because they're operating in something we don't understand, um, showing grace until, we do either, until God either gives us revelation about that thing they're operating in or until God gives us the word of knowledge so that we can correct that thing that they may be misoperating in. But um, I think that's it. If we would just focus on being united around Christ and who Christ was and forget all the dressings of it, I think we would, we would be a more unified church yeah. worldwide. So that's in, a, in a, that's in a corporate, big C church kind of way. Uh, who has anything they want want to add, like in a more contextual, local way? I, and I don't know if that's what your thoughts are. Yeah, um, I think to cause that division and all of that, he uses the enemy uses the spirit of offense in mm. the church that causes the division, that causes yeah. all of these things. So he uses our communication and our lack of communication to that's cause. Good. That's offense good. in the mm-hmm. church and we get caught up in our feelings and our emotions and we don't learn how to come over those emotions you yeah. know the bible tells us to walk in the spirit and not after the flesh yeah so when we get our feelings hurt we're in the flesh and we have to come to a point and a place in our walk with the lord that we learn to recognize those emotions yeah. and we have to rise above those in order to get over and deal with that spirit of offense that's good you have to rise above it man i see why lynn married her <laughs> i believe um i believe in conjunction with everyone has already stated that there is a lack of identity and I believe that when there's a lack of identity, there's a lack of accountability, and we, are, we become susceptible to false identities. And so identity is who you are, what you carry, and where you've been assigned. Mm-hmm. And we are That's called good. to grow in our identity as sons and daughters. Before you are an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, a title, whatever you call yourself, you are a son. And as we grow as a son, we serve from the place of sonship. And we serve from Come a position, on. not for a position. That's right. So when you call me, I'm not, I'm not tied up in who I am or who they call me. I know who I am as a son of a daughter. So whatever happens in life life in my position, I remain in position. That's right. That's good. Um, so identity is huge. I know Joey is like all about identity. We're really all about that. Um, but you understand like what we're talking about is equipping the body to do what they're called to do. But man, uh, he talks. As a matter of fact, if you look in your Bible, uh, the translators, well, the publishers do this. The translators don't necessarily do this. But the publishers break those down into sections, and most Bibles have it labeled as uh, the part about unity in the body, like that one, 
Chapter 4, unity in the body. That's what it's all talking about. And then Jesus, he just puts in there in verses uh, 11 through, I think, 16. Oh, by the way, because he starts it by saying, now. If you're going to have unity, now. Somebody's got to be the big boys and the big girls and put the, you know, our big boy apostolic pants on. And we have to be above, you know, all that other stuff. And then he goes into talking about like, don't talk this way. Don't talk about each other this way. Lift each other up. Prophesy over each other. Encourage each other. And so if the greatest weapon that the enemy does have against us is uh, lack, of, lack of identity, offense. And so if that's broken down, everything else fails. Everything. You can have the best worship. You can have the best preaching. You can have the best everything. It all fails. So... Uh, I want us to start off just talking a little bit about the, the responsibilities because it says that there he gave those gifts to the church for this purpose. And what we want you to understand today, this is not all about just us as leaders. You know, we have a role, the church has a role, and this is really about you. And I, the Lord gave me this a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, you know, and I'm like, man, that's good, Holy Spirit. I'm going to text myself that. And so I did, and uh, I want to uh, read it to you, um, all right? It's, let me see if I can get there. Um, if the body of Christ stepped into its God-given calling to minister to one another, so the body of Christ is all of us, but we're apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You may not be in those offices, but you are, we're nouns, you're adjectives. We're apostles, you're apostolic. We're prophets, you're prophetic. We're teachers, you're whatever the adjective is there. <laughs> there you go, students. Uh, instructors, instructive, all right? What, who am I missing? Uh, evangelists. We're evangelists. You're, you, you evangelize. You witness. We're pastors, but you, you pastor too. You shepherd people. So in this whole thing, the body of Christ, the Lord says, if the body of Christ stepped into its God-given calling to minister to one another, there wouldn't be such a high expectation on its leaders of the church to pastor the people. And they, the leaders, would be released to step into a greater anointing to equip the people. All right? And I'm like, wow, that's so powerful. I didn't know that we were necessarily going to be talking about this when Holy Spirit gave me that. But I just, I just believe it's another testimony uh, and witness that God's hand is on what we're doing here today. See, the church is looking for revival. You hear that all the time. Man, I just want the revival. I want more. I want more. I want more. Well, to get more, the leaders of the church are going to have to go deeper to places we've never been before. Yeah, yeah. Like we're going to have to spend more time with the Lord. We're going to have to spend more time in his presence. We're going to have to... Uh, have more time seeking. That means if we're going to be able to do to to do that to bring that to the body, 
The body has to begin to step into its God-given. Pastor Rife, you're just saying that because you just don't want to do some stuff. No, I'm saying it because Paul, uh, was, it, um, was it James that said to Stephen, I can't remember who said it, but it, it, they were, the apostles were fixing meals. They were doing all of this. And the church was, had legitimate needs. But the apostles said, listen, we can't do this. This is cutting into our study time. It's cutting into our time with the Lord. Hey, Craig, I need you. And if you go and you read Stephen, like he wasn't some flunky that just did the job because they didn't want to do it. Stephen was a man filled with the spirit that performed miracles. Mm -hmm. And he is heading up the food, the pantry ministry at the Jerusalem church so that the senior leaders could step into a deeper, deeper place so that the whole body could go to a deeper place. So let's get into this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, revival's kind of become a trigger word for me. And it typically invokes an eye roll when I hear people focusing on just God, send revival, send revival. We, we're asking God to send us more of something we're not currently maximizing. Come on, Come on, man. Yeah. That's so good. And so there's two things I want to share in this. When I was a child, I grew up very poor. So when it came time for dinner, we would go and fill our plates. And my grandmother would always say to us, you can have as much as you want, but you're going to consume everything that's on the plate. So start small, come back for more. And I feel like we do the opposite in the church. We're begging God for more. And Come he's saying, on. your plate is still full. You That's haven't so good. what I've given you. Because <laughs> Port City that's here, they probably get sick and tired of hearing this. I, I, I mentioned this quite often. The American church needs a revival, not in the sense of greater services, mm -hmm. but a revival of identity and who we are in Christ. Come on, that's good. Not, listen, hold on. Not, not in the sense of, like, necessarily who we are, but who he really is. That's right. When's the last time we showed up to church full of worship, not begging the worship team to lead us into something? That's good. Or, or showing up dry, empty of the word, begging the leader who's speaking that day to fill our cups. Mm -hmm. Like what would church look like if we showed up full because we've been with the Lord? What if we started asking different questions? And this is something uh, I feel like with us being a new church uh, in our first year, we can, we can just trial by fire, trial and error. And I, I told our team, I said, what if we started asking questions when we plan our set list? Lord, how do you want to be ministered to today? Mm. Instead of just the greatest hits of Christian radio. Lord, what, what's moving your heart in worship? And if we, if we will tap into ministering to him, the body is ministered to out of a place of overflow. But we will structure entire church services without him in mind. Come I, I want to give Come us on. a key and then I'll stop. 20 years ago, I was praying for revival as a young youth pastor. I didn't know a thing about anything, right? Former bouncer, crazy life, into doing ministry, didn't know anything. And I remember asking God, why aren't we seeing revival in the church? And God gave me a vision in that moment. And I saw two generations in this vision. The older generation and the younger generation. The older generation was spiritually obese. They were constantly asking God for more, and he was releasing, and they were consuming. And I watched them in this church service grow really fat. 
almost to the point they were having to roll out of their cars and being like really squeezed through the doors into the church. And I watched the younger generation watching the older generation, and the younger generation was malnourished. And I said, God, why do they look so sickly? And then I watched the church service go on in this vision, and I saw the younger generation begin to consume what was being put out. But I saw the younger generation at the end of service run to the restroom and regurgitate everything in that moment. And I asked the Lord, I said, why is that? He said, the younger generation looks at the older generation doing nothing with what God has given Man. them but consuming it, and they don't want to become spiritually obese. So they consume from me, but then they, they spew it back up. And he said, we have to have a change in the church where we come together and we begin to use the giftings and what God has given us. That's good. So often we want to put all of the responsibility on the leadership team to evangelize our neighborhoods, to, to come to, I can't go to work with you. You have to go to work and be Jesus. I can't come home with you and sit at your dinner table and, and correct you on the way you talk to your wife. That is in between you and the Lord. And in those areas that we struggle in, it all boils down to what this passage of Scripture really highlights. Is the American church has given itself over to immaturity. And mm. we want to be entertained for one hour a week. And don't you dare go beyond that. Wash my car through the tunnel so I can feel spiritually clean, leaving here still consumed with filth of not living this out with Jesus. Wow. Man, that's good. That's good stuff. So where, where Chris is, is taking us is, is this place of like, wow. So he addresses immaturity right here in Ephesians chapter 4. This is not a beat-up time on the church, by the way. No. This isn't like, you're bad, you're not living up. We're, you know, it's, it's nothing like that. It is about us as a body of Christ coming together to say, are we doing this thing right? Are we going to do this thing right? Let's do this thing right. And so, really, their responsibility is, is to equip the body. So here's what equipping really is. It's discipleship, disciplining ourselves. So what does... Equipping look like on a practical level from the for the body. Let's think about that for a second. What does equipping the body of Christ look like on a practical level? Anybody? Uh, uh, you know, when it when it gets down to this, as leadership. I can't take you anywhere I haven't been myself. Mm -hmm. And That's so right. I can't teach you something I haven't gone and learned. And, and I think equipping starts by first is addressing the identity problem because you can't go be something you're not, right? And so I shared this with my team last night. I said the difference between a son and an orphan is a son is an image bearer of the father. And so an orphan is trying to bear an image that it has not yet become, mm -hmm. okay? And, and so in order for us to equip the church, we first got to address the identity in ourselves. And so, and until I can raise up other evangelists or prophets or whatever, I've got to make sure that I'm walking in that myself because these functions, their functions, they're not titles, and so the function that you operate in should be the label that's on you, not label you, and then you try to meet an office that you're that's not right. called that's to. That's right, that's right, that's right. And, and, 
And, and so if, if in order for us, we got to understand the church is called to complete one another, not compete against each other. That's right. And, and so when, when we work together in these five offices, we equip a full body, not a half body. And you, we have some churches, and I'm not throwing dirt, that says, well, these offices are not for today. What does the text say? That these are to be fulfilled until the church comes into its full maturity. We are a long way from that. That's right. Okay? And, and so and the practical side of that is this. If I'm a teacher of the word, then I need to get a small group. I said a small group now of people that wants to be a student of the word and start teaching that. And when I start teaching that with those, now they become teachers of the word with a small group. If I want to raise up pastors, then I need people that are called and have the heart to that. And I start showing them what a shepherd looks like. Because in the Greek, the word, I don't remember the word, but when you read uh, in pastor in the New Testament, the word is actually shepherd. Poimain. Poimain, that's it, yeah. And, uh, and so to shepherd people, you got to have a shepherd's heart. I'm not a shepherd. I'm not going to pet you and, and do all these things because that's just not me. And I know that, so I have to stay in my lane. So there's no way I could equip you to be a pastor. You get what I'm saying? So I've got no reason trying to. No need to try to equip you something that I'm not. And the problem we're running into is we got a lot of people sitting in these offices wearing titles that they were not anointed to do. Mm. And because of that, they can't replicate themselves in the body because they're not anointed to do what they're stepping into. You get what I'm saying? That's good. So that, that's, that's really for, could be for anybody. That's more for us, you know, making sure that, that we're operating. And I can't tell you, man, how many people are pastoring like a church and they're terrible at it uh, because they're not pastors. It doesn't mean they can't be the leader of that church but they need other people who are better. They have a, that, that caring, that shepherding gift. So as we're talking about mentoring, again, like what's, what are practical uh, ways that we can mentor the body, equip the body? So Anybody? I don't think mentoring can happen outside of relationship. Mm. You know, right. um, I sent that to you on the text message about that. Pause people, real quick. Yeah. So you understand the question is what does discipleship mentoring look like on a practical level and he's telling you relationship all right go so like um i sent this to him that my standard personally is if i'm going to mentor you you have to be willing to come into a spiritual son and daughter relationship with me um two of my kids are here today and they can't not be my sons or daughter um and that's basically what it is because I'm coming as a mentor. And this, this, is, this is the duality of it, right? As the mentor, I am committing to you that I'm coming into covenant with you to treat you as a son, a da- or, son or daughter, not as, not as a student. Because Paul wrote that we have 10,000 teachers but very few fathers, right? So whenever I bring you into close relationship with me, it means I'm going to walk with you um, as much as that may mutually stink for both of us. Um, because I'm not the softest guy um, whenever I'm mentoring you. Um, I've tried the pastoring thing, and this pastor told me, hey, you know what you'd really be good at? Um, because he recognized that I have, I have the ability to pastor, but I have to work at it, but the more natural inclination for me is an evangelistic prophet. And so 
Um, and I, I've never called myself the prophet until other people started recognizing that in me. That goes back to the title before you're actually operating in it. Because, uh, you know, I don't want people to say, oh, well, tell me my future. That's not what it's about, Jack. Um, but, but mentoring is me walking with you and you walking with me. Um, and it's not like, okay, well, so we're going to get together once a month and we're going to talk about all the junk that you're not doing. It's a, a relationship where, like with my kids, we're in constant contact. I'm walking with you. I may not see you every day, but we're texting or we're talking because there's things in your heart that you are looking for me for guidance. I actually was on an hour and a half phone call last night with a guy who I haven't talked to in five years. He's, uh, he is 12 years my senior, and he submits to me as a spiritual son. And he had me on speakerphone, and I was speaking to him as a son and his son as a son, doing corrective, not a soft discussion. It was, it was harsh. Jennifer walked out of the room after I got finished, and she was like, wow, you haven't talked to him in forever, and that's the way you were talking to him? And I was like, it ain't a thing, because we're, 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 we're united in covenant. And, and, and that's a word we're scared of, is covenant. Um, I've been in covenant with this man for almost 32 years. He's watched me walk through every single office of this five-category ministry, um, putting on shoes that didn't really properly fit until I found what my calling was, but we knew I had a calling. And I think that's where a lot of people are is because they will not submit to a mentor or because the pastor is the only position in the church that will get paid, they will walk into roles that they're not supposed to because they refuse to submit to somebody to say, hey, I don't know everything. Um, I've actually on my lock screen because this is something I'm working on and this is me being totally transparent. My lock screen has a picture of Dwayne Johnson and it's a quote that says, if you get offended every time you're corrected, you'll never grow. And, And my problem is, is that I think I know more than I know a lot of times, and I don't know what I think I know. And so that causes problems in every relationship that I have if I don't keep it in check. And submission, like even today, I came to Amy, and I was like, hey, I need to submit to you to something because I want to play on the prayer team. But but you're the coach of that. So if you've got a position for me, I'd love to be plugged into that, but I'm submitting to you because I don't want to operate out of authority. Because she's the one who's over that, and I don't want to step out, even though she may be perfectly fine with that. I had to authorize that. You, you get, see what I'm saying? And even though he won't tell me, don't go, he's a voice in my life that whenever he is a father, even though he's only like five or six years older than me, him as a father speaks to me, I receive it because he's my cover. He's the one who says, as my apostle, hey, I, d- I agree with you. I confirm this thing with you. And that's the, that's the beauty of the submission and the mentoring relationship is that you, I, you have to be submitted as a son. Like, and don't take this as a, any kind of homogenistic um, um, uh, thing, but every man needs to have a son and be a father. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and every leader should be leading and be led. And that's, that's where we have to, that's what a mentoring relationship for me looks like is that, is that we're walking together in covenant. And though you use masculine terms, uh, you know, I, the house gets that you mean to every, every woman needs to be a mother of the faith to her daughters. Uh, so, um, Erica, you guys. I just wanted to say, um, that mentorship is really discipleship and you, you pretty much said that, 
But it's important that we know those who are called to be mentors and we should be mentoring somebody and we should be mentored. But it's important for us to have an understanding that we are not making disciples of ourselves. We're making disciples Come of on. Jesus. That's right. Good. We're not calling people to follow us. We're calling people to follow him. Right. right. And that's the great commission. It says go into all the world. You may and make disciples of Jesus, not make disciples of your ministry. And that's what I appreciate here. You never you never um, it was never like you need to submit to me. You need to submit to me, although there was an understanding of honor. But you were concerned about my identity. You were concerned about my heart. You were concerned about my call and all the other things that that entails. And no matter what happened in between, I was able to go back to the Father because you called me to the Father's heart. And so that's what I believe that we're supposed to do as mentors. And those of you who are out in the audience, you have the assignment also to mentor something, to disciple yeah. someone, you know, so it's important for us to understand that. Yeah, because it, it's a trickle-down effect, you know, like you guys are teachers, are disciplers to somebody. Uh, well, I don't know who they are, but everybody is a teacher of somebody, and it might be on the job, you're training somebody up, or you're training your sons, your daughters biologically or, or whatever. One of the things when it comes to mentoring, um, I want us to like, we, we know it's relationship-based, um, but so many times people are like, that, you know, I want to be mentored. I want to be mentored. And uh, I want y'all to talk about that just a little bit. And, and I want to say this before uh, somebody talks. Um, you need to understand, like, um, not Joey, but starting at Allen, not really sure about, about Jennifer, but she'll tell me but starting at Allen, and I'm coming down to at least Chris, and I don't know about those guys. <laughs> but from Chris to Allen, every single person in this group has had a problem with me at some point. And I've had a problem with them probably too. Like, it ain't all, you know, cheesecake and strawberries. That's the beauty of, of relationship. Well, <laughs> now she speaks. He mentioned something that I could talk about. <laughs> I need my Bible real quick. Jesus. No, but, but seriously, um, relationship is where discipleship happens and relationship is where it gets messy. Um, simple and, and plain right. English. It's messy. Relationships are messy by virtue of the fact that people are coming together with different ideas. So in the church, it used to be, going back to his initial statements, we were born in the church, that's where you stayed. And you didn't move wherever. If you got offended by somebody, you worked it out right. because you were in relationship. And so somewhere along the way, that's been cut off. And we're able to break covenant because we're not in relationship. We play like we have relationships. Yeah, pretend relationship. But, but we're playing like we have those friends on social media. Um, these should be the people that can speak into our lives yeah. that we're doing relationship with in church. And if it's not the case, then we're going to continue to search for that. And then we'll go and have an orphan spirit and not know our identity. 
And um, those things are really hard because like I grew up, we grew up in the generation that wanted everybody to be there and stay there forever. So that's been a really difficult thing for me. But accepting our calling as a ministry that we are a training center, by virtue of that fact, people are going to go out. Now, have I struggled with that? Absolutely. I hate it. As lately as Quentin, like me and God, we had a, like, I just was not, and Quentin knows this, I was not happy with him. I'm like, we need a worship leader, and he's a son of this house, and he's going across town to a Baptist church? No, it's, it's Methodist. Oh, Methodist, well, whatever. Like, no, God, no. Like, I was mad. And I told Quentin I was mad. Um, But he's learning what God has for him there. And God is blessing us here. But we have to be obedient to that. And we have to be willing for those relationships to still be there. And I love them. I love that family. They are dear to our hearts. But the only way that we can grow is by releasing them. We, we've multiplied. We've multiplied when we release them to their ministry. Look at all the ministries here. If they were all under this body right here, we would cut ourselves by many, many multiples. That's good. That's good. I think the problem <clears throat> with mentorship is really a more of a, a Western issue. When I travel to other countries, I don't see the issue as much. The problem that we have in America is that we want to be mentored the way we want to mentor. That's right. That's be mentored, right. right? So as long as it's easy and cool and I get all the cool gadgets and you provide a place for me on stage and I get to follow in your shadows and, and what we're really doing is we're going, hey, when Rife dies, I want the double portion, Lord. So I will follow him but not obey him waiting oh, on that and the portion never comes we get mad lord i served him my whole life yeah but you never submitted to him yeah, come on. right because you were so worried about being mentored the way you wanted to be mentored and i remember in our relationship the beginning of it you were teaching a small group i was brand new to the church i signed up for your small group because i saw something in you that i wanted in my life so i showed up to that small group early unannounced to set up and i stayed late to tear down because i knew in between those times conversations would happen and lo and behold it would turn into if anybody's been in a relationship with Rife you you know the trips to the Waffle House or the movies just tell your wife you're not going to be home until 2 2 a.m. <laughs> cops knocking on our window at the Waffle House ladies thought we were fixing a problem we're doing Should a drug deal happen, right so just long <laughs> nights but uh, but one of the things you said when I was on staff here when we were just in conversation in a meeting one day you said that we have to develop the ability to, to trace one another's words back to the heart of that person. So that helped me knowing that when the season came for Rife to have some really difficult, and they were very difficult questions, um, that I needed to trace those words back to his heart. And whether I agreed with what he was saying or not, I had to realize he cares about me enough to have this conversation. And I remember in a specific time, you may not remember this, we were in a meeting, it was just Rife and I, and he's pressing me. I had just gotten some news about transitioning to part-time. I didn't like it. And Rife was pressing me, tell me how you feel. Tell me how you feel. Tell me how you feel. And I said, Rife, 
it's midnight. I'm still at the church in the conference room with you, and I have no filter, and my heart's broken. I can't speak to you right now. We need to let this go. And Rife had a dry erase marker, man. He was ready to write a plan out. I'm like, bro, I'm done because I'm crushed. And I know what I'm fixing to say to you isn't going to be good for either one of us because I need time to process this. I had to go home and make a decision. Do I quit? Because lots of people would be like, oh, man, it's totally justified, right, that just don't understand. Or am I going to accept this as growth and stick this thing out? And I am who I am today because I chose to stick it out and grow from it, even though at times I was like, man, if I could get my hands on you, right? But I had to realize, and I remember you asked me a question early on in that small group when I asked you out to to dinner one time. I said, hey, man, I want to just ask you to be a spiritual father, which is a big deal for me not having an earthly father growing up without one. And Rife said, he just interrupted me in a polite way, and he goes, think about what you're asking. And I, and I interrupted him back, and I said, oh, I've thought about it. Like, not growing up with a father has empowered me to be very choosy of who I give that title to. Yeah. And I, I see the flaws in you, right, and understand that you're human, but there's enough of, of what God is doing in your life that I see I need that in my life. And I submitted myself to him. So through that submittance of him and not getting to handpick how I wanted to be mentored, and, and processed, it started out with cleaning the toilets and being in charge of things I had no bandwidth to be in charge of. But it was all a part of the process. But if we don't submit our right to tailor-make our mentor process, we will never grow. We'll stay right where we're at. We spend too much time trying to edit the Bible to fit us That's instead good. of editing us to fit it. That's good. That's good. Let me say one thing about Chris. Uh, so Chris... I actually let go twice. All right. That's not uh, exactly true. I went uh, from full-time to part-time, still staying in so leading a ministry, and then came back full-time when he begged me. That's the back. first time. <laughs> Let's not forget that part. This that, church, that's the first exact time. Words were, this church won't grow uh, unless you come but back. But I did. I, I did ask him to come back. We're going to all uh, repent for this later. So, so this is how relationship looks, folks. Um, <laughs> But you, he needed to step back so that he could see some things, and he needed to see some things, like, outside of me. And then, like, he saw, like, you, there was so much growth for you in that time. And, uh, and I'm like, man, I need you to come back. And then, as he came back, I'm like, we were, I don't know how long that was, that time period, but I'm like, it's time for you to go again. Uh, because what he was wanting and, and, and where God was leading him wasn't necessarily what we needed. Those don't look like when you don't understand apostolic ministry, when you don't even understand leadership within the body, uh, this is where disunity comes in. Girl, did you know? He doesn't let him, you know, he doesn't. I wonder what's going on between them. Like, shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your pie hole. And trust leadership knows what they're doing. And if you don't trust leadership, that just means you're not in close enough relationship with them. Because if you don't trust leadership, that means you either know and you're correct. Or you don't know and you need to get closer to it.
But I'll rem- uh, th- this, this is kind of like, boom, back to Chris, to show you like, to give you a real life understanding of what relationship looks like. Chris called me one time, and I think it was, a, I don't remember, I think it was something about youth camp, something that went on up there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, if, it, if I'm getting this confused or not. I just remember Chris was hot, and he was letting me have it. And I'm, it takes a lot to get me upset. And I just remember I had to tell him, like, you need to remember who you're talking to. It wasn't about youth camp. It was about you making me go part-time. Okay. I, I can't remember. Well, but I know he's hot. I know he is hot. But, like, I don't talk to people in a certain way. I don't, and, and like, and, but he was getting to that place of, like, hey, bro, you need to understand, I'm not your buddy. I am, I am the leader of this church, and I am a spiritual father that you asked for. You need to recognize who you're speaking to. Don't speak to me like that. And his response response was, then act like it. (laughs) Uh, And uh, you know how your kids back talk you? And I'm like, I'm fixing to go. All right. Uh, Now, mind you, that was the beginning of that season, right? And that was rife. And, And our journey that actually was strengthened during that season. Because what I thought the, the enemy was robbing me of was actually the Lord moving things, right? So because we were bold enough to have that level of relationship, even though that's really tense and, and, and toxic in some ways, it empowered when I came back uh, a year later into full-time. I was still the youth pastor, but I came back onto the team as a full-time pastor a year later. Um, so a year of growth together still doing ministry that whole time, both of us being frustrated, to sitting in staff meeting, I'm back full time, loving life, this is what I want to do, to where I get to go on a missions trip with Rife to Nigeria where the Lord speaks to me in a hotel room, wakes me up with a campfire sitting on my chest. I felt like my chest was on fire physically and shows me a vision of downtown Mobile, which was an area of the city I hated because of my past and the time I spent down there as a bouncer and drug the whole bit and begin to give me vision for Port City Refuge, which then, without me saying anything to anybody, fast forward, we come home from the missions trip, sitting in a staff meeting, and I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting with Rife, and you can see he's having a conversation with you and a different one in his head. He just gets this look. So I knew the Lord was speaking something to him, and he said, hey, Chris, I don't know what you've got going on after staff meeting, but can we go to lunch? So we went to the Chick-fil-A and Daphne. We sat outside, and Rife says, not knowing a thing about the Lord showed me in Nigeria. I hadn't even shared it with my wife yet. And he says, the Lord spoke to me in a staff meeting and said, you're supposed to be pastoring your own church, and it's going to be a very unique church. It's going to be different. And my response was, oh, okay. Uh, and then it was quickly, because he was like, we would love to launch you. I said, well, if you think it's going to be a screen down, you preaching from Daphne to Mobile, I'm not, you know, no, no. He said, I'm not interested in that. But he said, this is what the Lord is saying. And it started the journey of Port City Refuge being what it is today. But had I quit and gotten mad at him and stayed in my feelings and been offended, I would have lost all of the future relationship that was to come. And now I have someone that I can call any hour of the day and 
whine, complain, be frustrated, be excited, all of those things, and he's there. I can also have a relationship with him to where we don't talk every day, but we're able to pick right up where we left off, and there's this strong father-son bond. I came to Destiny a boy, and I left a man. That's really good. Um, Neil, you had something? Yeah. Real quick. Y'all, so y'all are good, right? Y'all yeah. are good. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have a talk after this. Um, What I'm hearing, and I'm just so thankful for the graces of God. Um, Equipping and mentoring, I want to make sure that they have freedom. Yeah. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Um, They need to know that they can make mistakes. That's right. But the graces of God says, okay, you're going to get back up. I'm going to brush you off. Don't stop. When Jesus told the disciples, before they were disciples, he said, you know, put down your nets and follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He didn't tell them, hey, as soon as you get through fishing, I'm going to be back and we're going to talk about this kingdom thing. He didn't do that. He said, I want you to walk with me. Our relationship with Jesus Christ, and I want to equip those that I mentor, it's a lifelong relationship. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you're working, no matter where you live, no matter what relationships that you're in, Mm -hmm. it's a lifetime walk with Jesus Christ. And we model that, and that we have freedom to make mistakes. And I want those people that, uh, those sons and daughters that I'm mentoring, that you have freedom to make mistakes. We're going to learn from our mistakes, and we're going to expand the kingdom of God to regions that have never seen Jesus Christ or never heard of him. Come on. And so we need to know, Come and you on. need to know, that it's okay to make a mistake. Don't stop. That's right. That's right. Be intentional and keep on going. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's good. And Melissa, I'd like to add would you one come, thing Melissa? real quick, too? Yeah, go uh, ahead. Because I believe that this is the success of mentorship. Is, and I'm very time conscious as far as like I don't like to waste my time. And so and if, if I'm going to engage in a relationship with you that is mentorship related, it starts relational. And so as I build that relationship with you, I'm learning you, you're learning me. But here's the thing. I feel like to effectively mentor you, you've got to be a seasoned at a season in your life to be mentored. That's and, right. And, and I think that that looks like if, if like Rife and I's relationship, uh, at some point, I'm sure it's coming. And if not, he, he needs to do it. Like if he's going to be that spiritual father in my life, then there needs to be some obstacles that he sets in front of me that I'm, that I'm willing to meet and go over. Not to prove myself to him, but to prove I'm dedicated to the relationship. And yeah. the mentorship, because if I'm not dedicated to that, I'm not dedicated to, to learning from him. And, and so that, that's, that's the key. The success is, is you being the person that wants to be mentored, actually being ready and surrendering to that process. Yeah. And like these guys have displayed, it's not always pretty, but when you love one another, you're willing to overcome conflict and work through it for the resolution of the betterment of, of each other. You get what I mean? And so, that's, good. Uh, that's really good, man. Place, um, mentorship, I offered 
only two promises now. I used to have it all like typed out, like, you know, this whole overcomplicated process. There's two things I offer now. We'll look like Jesus. Our, we'll do our very best to look like him. And you're going to smell like smoke when this is over. Yeah. Because you can't get this close to fighting hell and not smell like smoke. That's all. That's it. I used to offer, you know, we're going to sit down and walk our way through the Bible. All that happens in a more organic way now. But we have to remember that the idea of it is that Paul said very simply, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. He was saying the goal isn't for you to look like me. It's to look like the one I follow. Yeah, right. yeah. And at the end of it, we're going to smell like we followed him. Come on. Come I remember on. a series you did. It might be 10 years ago now called Dusted. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. But it was about this very thing. When the disciples followed Jesus, they were covered in the dust that he would kick up on his journey. Whose dust is covering you? Yeah, oh, come on. It's good. Allow Christ to become the center focus. And the minute we let go and we just say, God, I want to be more like you. He will send the mothers and fathers that we need. And Rife and I talk about this often. We get into these seasons to where when I was younger, I was begging God, where are the spiritual fathers? I felt like a son trying to adopt a father. And that's not the role. Sons don't adopt fathers. Fathers adopt sons. But now that I'm 40 on this side of it, I'm going, where are the sons? Because we think we have it all figured out. I go to church, I serve, that's all I need. I pray over my meals, it's, it's very basic. But I just want to encourage you, find someone, find something that you see in somebody and go, hey, I want to have a conversation about how to have that evident in my life and follow Christ together. And it's not just about you following someone, but find somebody that you can pour yourself into. And don't think you've got to have these degrees and, and be safe for a long time. Because what the Lord told me one time, you just got to be one step ahead to mentor somebody. Yeah, that's right. And just that's be right. honest. Hey, I don't have this figured out, but we're going we're gonna to do this together. I thought I understood church until I planted one. And you can ask my team. It's a lot of like, I don't know, we're just going to try it out. We're just going to go for it. Right? We're that's just right. going to trust the Lord. I got a lot of stuff in my head, but none of it's working. So let's just trust the Lord. Yeah. Grow people and not a church. That's the.